All right, everybody, welcome back to the Calm Podcast. This is episode 51. Um, I have a special guest here today. Uh, we're going to be talking about mental health, so really excited to dive into this. Um, and our guest today is, is Johnny, um, very, very knowledgeable in the mental health field. Um, and, you know, without further ado, you know, uh, Johnny, you can go ahead and give them a quick synopsis, sort of a background of how you got into mental health, what you currently do, um, and, and, and some of the work that you're, you're involved in right now. All right. First off, Chris, thank you for having me on your platform just to be able to, you know, to share my knowledge and my expertise in mental health. Um, everyone out there that's listening, my name is Johnny Gathers. I am a licensed social worker, but also I am a mental health therapist. So with me, with being a mental health therapist, uh, what actually got me into mental health is more so of just the aspect of helping others. Um I started having this niche of helping others since I was like 15 and it kind of carried on to where I am today as a therapist. Um, within my, you know, my role as a therapist, I actually, you know, guide the clients that I work with, make sure that they meet to their goals and meet to what they want to, you know, get through and manage through in life. Uh, within the field of work that I'm doing, I work for two organizations. One is Family Links, and with Family Links, I work in a therapeutic classroom, but I work with first to third graders. And then my second job is hand-in-hand counseling services, where I'm seeing individuals um, from children through adults and doing individual therapy with them. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah, so I think, you know, the first thing, first and foremost, we can kind of dive into first is is understanding, you know, what, what is mental health? You know, I think we hear about it a lot. It's a buzzword a lot of people use. Um, but at, at a high level, from your perspective, how would you describe, you know, what mental health is to someone who has no idea, you know, what, what the term means? Yeah. So mental health basically is your overall well-being is how you manage through life It's how you get through your daily functions of life. So far, you know, as we can see right now, mental health has been on the rise and it kind of, you know, revealed itself more uh, based on different experiences that we go through in society um, to this day from dealing with the pandemic, from dealing with, you know, different um, aspects of trauma, from dealing with daily experiences that we go through in life and um, all the different challenges that we face through in life. But mental health is overall basically how to, you know, get through the certain things that we are going through in life and everything. And I know mainly, um, Mental health, there has been a stigma out there, especially within the African-American community. Automatically, when you hear the word mental health, automatically somebody thinks that you're crazy or yeah. the things that you got a, um, an illness or your label of somebody that is not normal. But mainly, that's not really the case when it comes to mental health. Everybody goes through mental health. Everybody has their moments where their mental health has to be either um, addressed or even have to be improved. So all of us regardless of who we are, regardless of age, race, gender, we all have moments where we need to get our mental health, you know, checked upon so we could be able to get, get through daily living in life. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think you called out something really important too. You said, you know, mental health is something that everybody has to take care of. I think sometimes, you know, especially in the, in the black community too, we can let it get to a point where, you know, we're in a, we're in a really bad place or where we're really struggling to, you know, to seek that help. So, I think it was really important that you called out, you know, making sure that we get and just take care of our mental health on a day to day basis. You know, I, I really, really like that. So kind of diving a little bit deeper into your 
um, you know, your foray or your, your movement into this space as a counselor, what sparked your interest in counseling? Um, I know you said when you were younger, you always, you know, ha- had a passion for helping people, but what really made you want to move into, um, you know, counseling in the mental health space? All right. So what actually made me move into the therapeutic space is based on like like experiences. So I'll give you like a whole like a like a backstory. So my first experience of helping others started when I was 15 years old, growing up in Philly. Um, my first volunteer experience, I was a candy striper at Pennsylvania Hospital. Um the role of the candy striper at that time was mainly I was assisting, you know, the nurses and the doctors uh, with the patients, make sure the patients are getting their needs met, um, providing them food, water. Um, if they need extra help and support, I was there to help them out with those different things. And then it led to me doing like different volunteer, you know, um, experiences with summer camps, youth programs. Um, even during college, I was a, a AmeriCorps member and all those things like that. And with those experiences, it kind of originally, my plan was I really had wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician, but okay. what shifted, but what shifted was during my junior year um, at college, undergrad, I went to Penn State. So I, like within my junior year, figuring out what I really had wanted to do once I graduate, uh, one of the you know our fraternity brothers, shout out to the brothers of IULA Fate Fraternity Incorporated, but one of our brothers had actually um, reached out to me and said, I think you should, you know, look into social work. And I, you know, I did my research on it and I looked at two schools. Two schools had caught my attention, um, Pitt and Columbia University. Okay. So when I got accepted to Pitt and everything, that's when my journey of learning about therapy came into play because in grad school, we had to do two field practicums in order to graduate. So my second practicum within my second year of grad school was where I got my experience with therapy. I, um, my second field practicum was actually working with um, adults that had um, dual diagnosis. And what that means that those individuals that had dual diagnosis, they're either dealing with both having a mental health um, disorder, but then also dealing with either substance use or drug, you know, drug alcohol um, use as well. Okay. So within that experience, I was doing individual and group therapy with those clients. And after, you know, that experience, it kind of made me love being in that space. It kind of made me love doing, you know, therapy. And after, you know, getting my master's in 2013, that's when it just went from there. And I just started doing therapy work from there. It's fresh out of, you know, fresh out of grad school. My first full-time job was a therapist working with kids, um, at an after school program, and then it just went on to where I am today. Got you. Okay, got you. Um, and, and and I think you know one thing that that you had mentioned that I wanted to dive a bit deeper into was, uh, you know, earlier on you were talking about you know how important it is to maintain your mental health on a day to day basis, and um, I know you do a, a series on Instagram and I believe YouTube called Mental Health Fridays where you talk about different ways. Um, you know, to maintain a good headspace. So what, what are some ways that, you know, people listening right now can um, improve their situation? Some things they can do on a day-to-day basis uh, to feel better mentally. So the first thing is that 
an individual can do to feel better mentally is just one, acknowledge their feeling that something is not right. Acknowledge the feeling that something is um, out of whack. And once that individual acknowledge that feeling, they got to be able to accept it. Because sometimes we normally say that we feel one kind of way, but really we feel something else. And the only reason why we say one feeling, but not really want to express the real feeling because we don't really want to accept it. So mainly is once you have that feeling, you got to one, acknowledge it and then accept it. Then you go from there and decide on how do you want to be able to move forward from that feeling? Is it from either talking with friends? Is it with talking with family? Is it with talking to like people outside people that you feel like that's a support system for you to be able to get through, you know, those feelings or those emotions that you're going through. And then if it's take it to a next level, if you feel like you're not getting, you know, the support or the advice that you're getting from friends, family, or anybody, that's when it's time to say, okay, I might need to go to a professional, you know, a professional and possibly get, you know, therapy, counseling, or any other particular service that fits to your needs on how you want to manage through the certain feelings that you get. Right. Um, I know some people out there, some people might have moments where they're taboo of even going to therapy. And that's what maybe um, maybe launched JG Mental Health Fridays. So JG Mental, Mental Health Fridays is video segments that I do on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and on YouTube. Um, just talking about different topics that we all go through on a daily basis and providing different coping exercises that people can practice on their own. Uh, to be able to, you know, maintain their well-being when it comes to mental health. And the reason why I had wanted to launch that video platform um, was during the rise of the pandemic. So, mind you, I said I started this April 3rd, 2020. During that time frame, I was going to therapy myself. Also, around that time frame, I had got furloughed from Family Links, which is my first job. I had got furloughed from the job. So around that time, I was in a rut myself trying to figure out how can I still help people if I'm not, you know, can't work, can't even do nothing at the time. So that's when I had right. the idea in my head to do JG Menard Fridays. And since from there, a lot of people reached out to me um, to say, you know, keep posting these videos, keep doing this because it's helping me out. And some people actually reached out to me and said, I'm glad that you did these videos because it made me get a better insight to mental health, but it also kind of made me be able to try to seek therapy or seek counselor, seek any other service that could benefit them. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's super powerful. I think, you know, it's great that we have these platforms nowadays, like you say, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, where we can, you know, really get that message out there. So I'm glad that, you know, a lot of people are, are paying more attention to, um, to their mental health because of that. Um, to kind of bounce off of that, I, I wanted to touch a little bit more on, on your mental health Fridays too. I saw a short clip, I want to say about a week or two weeks ago, where you were talking about uh, setting boundaries. And mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about this because I think this is something where um, a lot of people might struggle with this. You know, we have people in our lives that might not be the best for us, might be what you, know, what you might call toxic. And maybe family members, could be friends, could be, or it could just be a, a situation where maybe we uh, don't have a good relationship with our boss at work and things like that. So uh, what are some ways, you know, people can go about setting boundaries uh, with people in their life, like an understanding when a boundary needs to be set, I should say, you know? Yeah. So basically you kind of already set the, you know, the tone right there where we have to actually identify what is a boundary for us. 
because um, sometimes some people can say, oh, well, my boundary is that I don't want to um, spend money. But the thing is, you got to say, OK, is that really a boundary or is that a goal that you want to set within yourself? So with the boundaries, when it comes to like relationships, you actually got to define what your boundaries are. And then once you define what your boundaries are, you got to be able to be confident to say, these are my boundaries. So say, for example, say if you have, um, say, for example, if I was in a relationship with somebody and my boundary is that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like touch you on the the first date or anything like that. That's when somebody could say, okay, you got to be upfront with that person and say, well, this is, you know, this is the first date or whatever. I'm not comfortable with touching you right now or whatever. Let me grow into, you know, be confident to be able to see if the relationship or any order, you know, the situation could go stronger for me to be able to be comfortable and, you know, to touch you and stuff like that or to hold you or anything like that. Um, and whenever you say that's your boundary, that mm-hmm. person that you tell it to has to, re- has to respect it or whatever if they don't respect it then that's when you know to say okay this person not really respecting my boundary let me tell them that i feel you know this kind of way because they didn't respect my boundary um if they once you gave the you know the warning or the reminder to say that this is your boundary if they continue on with it that's when you make that decision within yourself to say okay i'm a you know move forward and you know, let that person go because they're not really respecting, you know, the boundary. And that's what I did. Um, that I was doing for this whole month of July with JG Manel Fridays, where I was talking, giving breakdowns of different types of boundaries that we normally do, that we normally deal with on a you know daily basis. So um, back at, like July first, I did physical boundaries. Talk about the ask of what a physical boundary is, and most times, physical boundary is our personal space. And our, you know, our belonging and stuff. Um, what I did last week, uh, we talked about sexual boundary, what that looks like. And that's mainly talking about, you know, intimacy, consent, uh, respecting um, your partner's like sexual history and things like that. Right. And then the video that I got coming out, just, you know, just coming out soon is going to be on mental boundary and emotional boundary, what that looks like. Um, how you have your right to your own feelings, how you have a right to your own thoughts and things like that. So with those different aspects of boundaries, you got to be able to identify what boundary fits you. And the thing is, when it comes to identifying what boundaries fits you, you shouldn't let like, you know, other people determine what your boundaries are. You already know what you like. You already know what you dislike. You already know what's comfortable with you. You already know what's not comfortable with you. So Sometimes some people might need to make a list to say, okay, these are my boundaries and let me try to put them, you know, put them in practice. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. And I think it can be super hard, especially when you have pressure, you know, from people around you or family or whatever, and they don't necessarily, uh, you know, see the, see your boundaries the same way that you see them. Like they might be like, oh, you know, that's fine. You don't need to have that boundary. And, and it's kind of, um, it can be difficult to kind of stick to what you know is right for you. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I definitely, you know, agree setting those is, is important. I, I even found in my life, you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more aware of, you know, how, how I interact with people, how I want to interact with people, how I want my relationships to feel. So, um, and it, and it's, it really does work wonders in terms of, 
um, you know, your, your headspace when you feel like you have good relationships around you, good people around you, um, and you feel comfortable, you know. So I, I really like that for sure. Um, another thing I wanted to, you know, touch on, and I know you you mentioned this earlier as well, uh, where you talked about there's a lot of stigma in the black community um, and, and minority communities in general, uh, Latino community, community about seeking out treatment for, um, you know, mental health issues, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what what would you kind of say to somebody who is is in a situation and they know they're not necessarily in the best space, they know they could be better, they know that they, they, they have an issue or they have something that they want to address, but maybe they're a, a little scared about the stigma or about what their family might say about it or, or anything like that. How would you um, kind of recommend them going about uh, getting the help that they need? Um, so mainly how to basically like start it off is just have a conversation with them. Um, just not even as a, like a, on a professional level, just have like a, just a personal conversation about like how they feel, what's, what they're, what's going on with them. Um, is there something that, you know, that you need help with? Cause that's what it's all about is mainly like building that relationship with that individual to see where it can go to, to see if they can say, okay, I think I need therapy or I think I need, um, more support and stuff like that because more so nowadays uh, people kind of like hold stuff in because they don't want to be ostracized they don't want to be looked at they don't want to be judged because most of the time people are having you know and it kind of goes into like the boundary thing again but most of the times people don't people have like trust trust issues when it comes to like talking to people about certain things Mm -hmm. and uh, things like that and with the stigma that being played played upon on with the stigmas of mental health being played on top of that, that can hold that can hinder somebody more um, and such. So basically, having within my stance, just being able to just be open and receptive to what they got to say and what comes through their mind or what they feel, just to be able to see what will come out of it, and then see if later along the lines, if they would need therapy or recommend them to somebody and things like that. And while we're talking about stigma, I do want to talk about like the common stigmas that is being that we are, you know, that is faced. Well, the basic stigmas that are faced with in the African American community when it comes to mental health. I already said the first one is automatically when someone hears the word mental health, they think that someone's crazy. But we already determined that mental health is everybody. Everybody deals with it, and it's our physical well being. Another stigma that happens with mental health is that. Um, if you're, you know, we some well mostly a thing is that if you're seeking help, that means that you're weak, which is not the case. If you're seeking help, that means that you're mainly you're strengthening yourself. You're strengthening who you want to be as an individual. You're strengthening yourself because you're getting extra resources, extra tools to help get you through life and help to help you uh, maintain through life. Um, another stigma about this is that oh. Um, going to therapy is expensive and stuff. And most of the times with certain aspects of therapy, some people might look at, you know, financial burdens, but mainly you can go to therapy, you can use your insurance. If you are working at a job and get job offers the EAP program, which is an employee assistance program, that is where you can go see a therapist for like 
a few sessions for free through your jobs EAP program. And then also there's a lot of grants and programs that's out there where you could actually get a grant to go to therapy and they could cover, you know, cover your sessions and stuff like that. Um, and I could give you like a story within myself when it comes to therapy. Um, I've been to therapy on, might as well say what, five? Yeah, might as well, no, yeah, five different occasions. Five different occasions. I used my job's EAP program to be able to get six free sessions on different occasions. The first time I've been to therapy was in 2017, um, 2017, 2018. And that was around the time that I kept, I kept failing my social work license exam. And I was just questioning myself saying that, all right, is social work, is therapy, the career path I need to be in because I keep failing this exam and I want to move up, you know, move up to the next level. Even though I was doing therapy work still, but I had wanted to, you know, expand more within the career path. So that's my first time I've been to therapy. The second time I've been to therapy was in 2019 um, after a health scare. So, Chris, you probably don't know this, but... At um, the end of 2018, going into 2019, I had three seizures. I had three seizures in my sleep. Didn't know what was the re- what was the cause of it or anything like that. I had to stay in Philly with my mom and my siblings, and that was a tough process. And that was moments where I had break. I had two meltdowns because one, I wasn't sure what was going on with me, and then the second breakdown was stuff stuff that I was holding in for so long that I had to just release. And once I got better and was starting, you know, to feel well within myself and then also figuring out what was the cause of my seizures and everything like that. And once I was able to come back to Pittsburgh, go back to work and everything, I had to, um, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to go back to therapy because I want to be with good tools to still maintain, you know, myself in a positive way. So I won't have to backtrack and get, you know, get sick again and and stuff. The third time I had went to, um, yeah, the third time I've been to therapy was during the pandemic, the start of the pandemic. When I got furloughed, I was like just in an anxious moment. I didn't know like what to do and everything. So I reached out to um, my therapist again and said, okay, I want to see you again to just get through, you know, this aspects of the pandemic and everything. Then um, the fourth time I went to therapy was when I, um, well, actually, yeah, the fourth time I've been to therapy was this year. Um, and the reason why I went to therapy this year was because of the fact of, I mean, not even this year, last year, but I actually, you know, today was actually like my, um, like my last, you know, session uh, through the EAP program with my therapist. But uh, from the end of last, like last year and going into this year, I had, um, had like a moment where, I had to, um, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, just, you know, just thinking about with me working two jobs again, because the time when I had got sick, I was working two jobs in the past. But then when I was able to come back to Pittsburgh, I had to um, let my second job go and stay with my, you know, my full time, first time job and everything. And when I had got hired with my second job, once I had got my license and everything, that's when I just started having like thoughts about, okay, I'm having two jobs again. What's that's going to look like? I'm already, you know, juggling a lot of stuff. Is that going to maybe back? And it kind of maybe had thoughts of backtracking to when I had got sick. Right. So that's when I had, you know, went to therapy, you know, went to therapy last year 
again for that. And then this year I had, which is my fifth time, I had went to therapy because I had a meltdown. Not a, like a like I had a meltdown back in what was it? April, March. It was like April. It was like mid April. Um, and I was just due because I was just like overwhelmed. I was like overwhelmed with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like overwhelmed with like work, overwhelmed with stuff within the fraternity, uh, overwhelmed with just like my own thoughts on different things. And just one moment at work, I just broke down and cried because it was so much happening all at once. And it was just not like, just like sad stuff, but it was like more like good stuff in between that too, because around that time I had found out, I had got, was getting honored with the Fab 40 award by the courier. Um, a lot of opportunities that was coming my way. Uh, a lot of clients coming from both jobs and everything. And then me training new therapists with it, with my first job. And it was just a lot, just a lot of stuff that was just hitting me all at once. Yeah. And yeah. at that moment, it just, boom, I had broke down. And then once I had broke down, I was like, you know what? I'm going to therapy again because I need it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, everything you said, that's, that's very powerful. And I think coming from somebody who is a counselor, being able to say, hey, even me, you know, having all this knowledge about the space and all, the, all this knowledge about ways to cope, um, I can still identify, you know, when I need that support and when I need to, you know, um, kind of take care of myself. You know, and I think that's something a lot of people don't even think about. Like they, and that's not something I would even think about when I was like younger. I was like, oh, counselors, like they know everything. You know, they they they're kind of good. You know, they probably can handle their own things. But um, even you know, having some friends that work in this space as well, hearing them saying, hey, I'm a counselor, but I still go to therapy. You know, right? That, that's that's you know really powerful, and it really shows. Yeah, that and you're taking care of yourself, right? And that was the two things that was told to me and my classmates when we first started grad school, um, they told us, one, if we wasn't to be a therapist, ther- you know, therapists need therapy, you know, need a therapist too. And then another thing is with us as being professional, mental health professionals, we don't know every, we don't really know everything. We learn within the process. Right. And then also within ourselves, like we are just God and the clients. We're not the person that has the whole expertise. The client themselves has the expertise. They have the knowledge and the power of what they want to get out of, you know, out of ther- out of therapy. We're just there to guide them. They know what their problems are. They know what they want to get, like what their goals are. They know what you know the ins and outs are when it comes to the, the things that they're dealing with. It just as us as professionals, we just guiding them along the process. But also while we're guiding them along the process, we're learning too. Right. Yeah. And I think um, you know, being able to uh kind of I uh, you know learn that or, or learn your own coping mechanisms within therapy, that's a really big thing. Because I mean, obviously, you know, I think as a counselor, your objective is probably to get the person to a point where, you know, they can kind of, you know, cope on their own. Not that they won't still come to therapy, but that they can kind of learn, you know, the techniques that they need, um, you know, to kind of handle themselves, you know, for sure. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about too is, you know, I know you talked about people can seek out therapy. and they can, you know, go through their EAP program at work or, or uh, through other avenues. I've had friends and, and family members go to a certain, you know, counseling sessions. And sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, I went to a counselor and they were cool, but I don't know if we really clicked. So I wanted to talk about 
the importance of choosing the right counselor as well. Um, and let mm-hmm. people know that there, there's that option. So sometimes if you go to someone and maybe you just don't click, maybe the, maybe the connection is not there. Maybe, you know, you, you feel like you're not getting what you need. You know, how can they go about kind of understanding it and, and feeling out whether or not, you know, it's the right counselor for them? You know, what, what are some things that you think constitutes a, a good, um, you know, client counselor relationship? You know, what yeah. should it look like? All right. So basically, when it comes to looking at the therapeutic relationship, um, first thing the client needs to look at when it comes to the therapist is seeing um, more so like how the therapist is or is the therapist um, like open, free, you know, free um, expression and things like that. Also, is the, the, if the therapist is genuine, is right. the therapist, you know, trustworthy is therapist, um, you know, acceptable of you as a, you know, you as a client and everything. And those things stand out um, within, you know, that relationship. And it always, it always starts off within that first session um, during the intake process. Um, if that client has a vibe um, towards the therapist, and they can either be either a vibe where, they said, okay, I don't think this therapist is good for me. There might be a reason why that therapist might not be good for them. It might be say, okay, this therapist is not good for me because this therapist reminds me of somebody that brought trauma in my life. Right. Uh, and right. that, and what that's called, that's transference. Transference is where the therapist had, I mean, where the client has feelings towards the therapist about, you know, certain things that kind of triggered, you know, their life experiences and stuff. Right. Um, right. Another reason why a client might not, you know, want to click with the therapist because they might be might be just be afraid to say that, oh, I might actually like, you know, I might actually like this therapist or anything like that. And I'm talking about liking this therapist in terms of saying that moving forward within the process. But then also there might be a time where that client might actually have a, an attraction to that therapist or whatever. And right. that kind of caused a boundary or, you know, a conflict of interest and stuff. So that's, a, you know, another aspect to look into. But if, you know, a client says that they are not com- comfortable with the first therapist that they see, that's fine. It's just, you go, whenever you feel like you're not comfortable with seeing the first therapist that you meet, it's okay. You could go shop around and look for another, another therapist. It's just like us buying different shoes. And we know that, you know, the one shoe that we want it's not the perfect fit. We could go to another store to get a different size and things like that. And that's how it is with therapists. You could go to different, all the different kinds of therapists to pick the one that fits your niche. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good, that's a good thing to, to call out because that was even something that I did, um, you know, realize in the past. And I've even taken a look at my, you know, my jobs, EAP program and stuff like that. Um, and just knowing that you have the option to kind of shop around, like you said, and find, you know, who works for you. I think that's really important for people because I think a lot of people may get turned off from going and, and seeking out help if they have a bad experience with one, you know, therapist mm-hmm. they say, okay, well, therapy doesn't work. I don't want to go back again, you know? Um, so right. having that option is, is super important. So, you know, in, in the work that you do, um, I know you have, you know, a lot of clients that you work with. Uh, and I wanted to focus a little bit on the younger generation right now. So I know, you know, millennials, Gen Z, uh, there's a lot going on. We have a lot of things bombarding us all at once. We have social media. Social media is a huge thing right now, you know. Um, and I know a lot of people have um, 
have had a lot of uh, anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of uh, a lot of bad things come from social media or just from societal pressures at work. Uh, what would you say are maybe like the the two or I'll say the two top sort of issues that you see with the younger generation or younger clients that you work with? Is it stress? Is it anxiety? You know, um, I, I know anxiety is, is probably one is one I've heard about a lot, but just wanted to hear from your perspective. What are some of the most common okay. things you see? All right. So the most common things I see within the younger generation, especially with my first job, because I'm in the school, you know, setting with my first job. And even though I work with kids from first to third grade, I actually look at, you know, the whole school because the school that I'm at, it goes from pre-K to eighth grade. So even with the clients that I had under my caseload, there are, you know, other students within that school that will actually like come to me and ask me about, you know, asking them to talk to them or checking with them and stuff like that because they see the support that the other kids are getting that's on my caseload. And I do that and I do that. But what stood out to mo- the most when I'm looking at it from the younger generation is more so one, um, it is, you know, the anxiety aspect, but then also another thing that stands out the most is not being able to express themselves. So um, most of the kids like that I work with, they kind of have a hard time, you know, sharing like what they're feeling, like what how they're feeling and stuff like that, because there might be moments where they get told by their parents or any other family member to say, keep my business in my house. Don't share what's going on and stuff because they already got that feel to say, oh, automatically if the child said that something's going on, oh, got all CYF or something like that. And which sometimes that can be the case. It depends on how traumatic and if there's an actual, um, you know, a suspicion of harm and stuff like that. That's when right. we have to actually right. become a mandate because we are mandated reporters. But more so is the aspect of where the kids don't really know how to express themselves. They don't really know to say, okay, I feel this way because this happened at school. This happened on the bus. This happened at home. This happened on social media. This happened when I was playing video games and stuff like that. Um, and everything. And I can say like this past school year out of all, like out of my five years that I worked with family links, this school year was worse. I want to say worse, but this school year was challenging than other school years. Um, my second challenge challenge in school year was the year when I had got sick and I was away for a while. But this past school year that finished was, um, was a challenge because of adjustment. It was just adjustment because, you know, and still we're still in this pandemic and the kids had to adjust going back to school for like full time, not virtual and everything. Um, had Kids had to adjust wearing masks. Kids had to adjust with just, you know, try to get in back, back, basically getting back into a routine and yeah. everything. And um, also around that time, too, there was moments where. You know, the kids was just like showing like aggression, uh, being defiant and stuff like that. But they were just showing those emotions, those behaviors, because they just was feeling stressed. They was feeling overwhelmed. They was feeling worn out and stuff. And that that time when that happened, that was back in like October. That was like mid-October because I've observed the whole school. And I was like, even down to like the teachers and the staff, they was everybody was going through it. So then that's what took, took it upon myself 
to say, I, you know, connected with the principal and I said, okay, we need to do a, a mental health assembly just for everybody to say what mental health is and being able to say it's okay to share your emotions, it's okay to not be okay and things like that. And from there, everybody was, a, a, the, the climate changed. The climate changed because people was now being able to say, okay, I feel this way because this happened and all those stuff. Right. And it took right. upon, it actually took upon my leadership. Um, and then the second time, another thing, a scare happened. Uh, a second time, an experience happened where the climate changed within the school was because one of the middle school students had passed away um, due to a drug overdose. Oh. And um, yeah, and come to find out one of the um, the students that had passed away was one of my kids that I actually worked with. And he was in, he's in um, third, he was a third, he's in third grade and stuff. So when he found out that it was his, you know, his cousin that went through that, you know, that situation, I had, it was a moment where he didn't know how to express himself until it took him to the point of breaking down and crying and said that he really missed his cousin. And it was just a weird feeling not to see his cousin at school and everything like that. And then it was, and then even like the middle school students, they took it hard because it led to the point that them showing aggression and led them to them bringing in vape pens and stuff into the school and stuff. So I ended up having to do another assembly for the middle school in general, just to talk about different forms of how to grieve mm-hmm. and what the grieving process looks like and how to be able to cope with, you know, losing a, a, a student and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. And, and I think um, just even looking at, you know, minority communities and, and things like that, I, I think a lot of us aren't necessarily taught you know, those right ways to cope or to grieve and to handle our emotions when we get upset, when we're angry, when we're sad. Um, I think that, you know, can account for a lot of um, the, the violence that we see too, like within the, within the inner cities, you know, when you have um, a lot of gun violence and things like that, a lot of it, I'm sure, stems from people not having those right coping mechanisms, you know, being like, hey, I'm upset, so I'm going to go do this without really thinking it through and saying, okay, well, let me take a moment to analyze how I feel or, or you know, go through these emotions and understand that, you know, I can come out on the other side and work through them, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think even with young men, um, and, and I think it's important for, for women too, but I think young men, especially uh, really making sure that they, they feel as though uh, that they can talk about their emotions, you know, they can talk about how they feel. I, I know um, a lot of us are brought up in, in a way, like you said, where it's like, Hey, we don't talk about this. You don't talk about that. And you just kind of hold it all inside. And at some point, all of that is going to come out, right? And mm-hmm. you want to make sure it's coming out in in um, in the right way, you know, for sure. Right. But yeah, but you know, I, I think we're coming towards towards the end of the episode. I mean, we talked through a lot, but also wanted to open it up to you if there if there's anything that you wanted to um, discuss or kind of call out, uh, you know, as, as we close out, I definitely would, would love to touch on that. All right, so. Some closing points that I want to give out to everybody that's listening uh, when it comes to like your mental health and your well-being. One, you're not alone. Don't think that you're alone with dealing with certain things because there might be someone else that might be even sitting next to you or you talk to on a daily basis that might be going through the same thing that you're going through. So one, you're not alone. Two, it's okay to not be okay. We all have moments where we sometimes we feel happy, sometimes we feel sad, sometimes we feel mad. It's okay. We have feelings. 
So it's okay to, you know, not be okay because we're not perfect. We're not, you know, perfect. If that was the case, everybody will be, you know, will be, you know, in a better space. We'll be fine. We'll be happy. We'll be cheerful 24-7. But that's not the case. We are able to feel different feelings that we want to feel. And then thirdly, uh, whenever you feel that something is not right or something is overwhelming you or triggering you, be able to use your voice, be able to say, talk to someone, be able to talk to a friend, talk to a family member, or even if you feel like that's not the case or that you're not able to talk to them, go to a professional and, you know, so you can be able to say what you're going through and so you can be able to use your voice, but also with you using your voice, you'll be able to learn how to practice, you know, certain skills that can help you to get through certain things within your life. But then also with you using your voice, you're able to release the stress, the anxiety, the tension that you held, that you had built in within yourself for a long time. And when you get that release out of your system, that you'll be able to feel at peace. You can be able to feel calm. You'll be able to feel like you're able to get through life because you was able to release the things that you was holding in for so long. Right. Right. Yeah. And last but not least, you know, shout out your social, shout out where people can find you, um, your Instagram page, YouTube, um, you know, where, where can they find you? All right. So everybody on Facebook, you just type my name, Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-I-E, R-M Gathers, G-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. On Instagram, my Instagram handle is JG the Mastermind. On Twitter, my handle is Iota Mastermind One. On LinkedIn, you just type in Johnny Gathers, comma, MSW, LSW. And then on YouTube, you just type in my name, Johnny Gathers, and JG Menor Fridays will pop up. And then with JG Menor Fridays, all the videos from when I first started in 2022, you know, to recent is all on there. And it's all set up on a playlist level. So if you want to look at all the videos for 2020, there's a 2020 playlist. If you want to look at all the videos from last year, there's it's a playlist for that. And if you want to look at the videos from what I made so far for this year, there's a playlist for that. And, you know, and then also for individuals that actually look at JG Menor Fridays on all those platforms, if you, and I always address this at the end of the videos, like if you have any topics or any that you want me to address you know you could definitely reach out to me and i could be able to talk about it on my platform and when i talk about those things that someone requests on my platform i always give them a shout out anonymously because i don't want to you know have like i want to be able to for them to be have more confidential you know a confidential space but once you know that your topic is out there you'll know that your topic is out there once you get the, the requests and everything Awesome. Well, you know, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You know, we talked through a lot of valuable information. I think a lot of people are going to take a lot of value away from this. Um, I definitely took a lot of value away from it. And, uh, you know, mental, mental health is something that, uh, you know, I'm also very passionate about and, and you know, that I, I even want to do a better job of taking care of my own you know, mental health because I, I don't do that the best at times. So really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, everyone listening in, I will link all of, uh, you know, Johnny's, uh, links in the podcast description. So if it's a little bit easier to go down there, uh, you know, click on his Instagram, YouTube, all of that. 
Um, and I will catch all of you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. And on Spotify, you can rate us there as well. And we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.